from the Cyber Hub Bunker and Studio. You're tuning in to the Cyber Hub Podcast. And now for your host and CISO, James Azar. Well, good morning, security gang. I'm on the road this morning and bringing you the show live from the state of New York. So good morning, everyone. And thank you for tuning in. We're live on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. Good morning to everyone tuning into this morning's show. We've got a busy, busy show this Thursday. Not a lot of stories, but important ones nonetheless. Typically, I do seven or eight this morning. I got five. We're going to get right into this morning's show. Unfortunately, I didn't have a chance to go get an espresso yet. I know I have made the ultimate sin of the show. However, having said that, I will join all of y'all in a coffee cup. Cheers for whatever you're enjoying this morning. I'm going to go get my coffee after the show. So with that being said, coffee cup. Cheers, y'all. Welcome to this morning's show. Please make sure to subscribe. Please consider joining our Substack and supporting the show. That way, we'll also be creating a membership on our YouTube channel so you can check those out as well. Uh, I'm moving the show more supporter-based. Um, thanks to all of y'all. Uh, that number one and number two, because we we really are going to go cutting edge on content here come July, and I can't wait to share more news about that next week. So, with that being said, we're going to kick off this morning's show with the Lockbit ransomware gang having launched around seventeen hundred different attacks in the U.S. and have made ninety one million dollars in ransom payments from uh, U.S. organizations, according to a U.S. government. Uh, report. So this they've been active at least since January of 2020. Lockbit operated under ransomware as a service type of model where affiliates use use the malware and its infrastructure to target organizations across multiple sectors. Since the first occurrence, Lockbit Lockbit has received several major changes with at least four different variants to its affiliate Lockbit 2.0, 3.0, Lockbit Green, Linux ESXi Locker. However, it appears that Lockbit 3.0 widely took over previous versions. Logbit's operator also maintain a leak website where they publish the names of their victims and the data stolen from them if they're not paying the ransom. Logbit operators have been observed using a dozen of free wave and open source tools and attacks for reconnaissance, tunneling, remote access, credential dumping, and data exfiltration. They also use PowerShell and batch scripts and pen testing tools like Metasploit and Cobalt as part of their repertoire of tools. Logbit have also been observed attempting secondary extortion after compromising a company responsible for managing other organizations' network. The attackers then attempt to extort the victim's organization's customer by locking down their services and threatening to publish them. The joint advisory also provides information on tactics, uh, techniques, and procedures um, around this group. And so obviously, um, something to keep in mind with ransomware being so so crazy nowadays. A fig zero day POC exploits on GitHub push Windows and Linux malware. Criminals are impersonating cybersecurity researchers on Twitter and GitHub to publish fake proof of concept exploits for zero day vulnerabilities that infect Windows and Linux with malware. These malicious uh, exploits are promoted by alleged researchers at a fixed security company called High Sierra Cyber Security, who promote the GitHub repositories on Twitter, likely to target security researchers and firms involved in vulnerability research. The repositories appear legitimate. The users also maintain them, uh, impersonate real security researchers from Rapid7 and other cybersecurity firms, as you can tell from the screenshot there. If you're listening, you can see all the links uh, in the show notes and just go to the link uh, from Bleeping Computer. The same personas maintain accounts on Twitter to help add legitimacy to their research and the code repositories like GitHub. This was first discovered by Voucheck, who reported that it's been underway since at least May of 2023, promoting supposed exploits for zero-day flaws in popular softwares like Chrome, Discord, Signal, WhatsApp, 
and Microsoft Exchange. In all cases, the malicious repositories host a Python script that acts as a malware downloader for Linux in Windows system. The script downloads a zip archive from an uh, external URL to the victim's computer, depending on their OS, with Linux user downloading a CVES Linux.zip and Windows receiving a CVES Windows.zip. The malware is saved to the Windows temp or the Linux home use, uh, share folder and then extracted and executed. After the fact, you can see a whole list of these repositories here and also the fake identities on uh, Twitter. And make sure you share that with your DevOps teams so that they don't fall for any of these as well. So there's that this morning. Also, severe vulnerabilities have been reported in the Microsoft Azure Bastion and other uh, container reg- and Azure Container Registry. The two dangerous security vulnerabilities have been disclosed to Microsoft Bastion, Azure Bastion and Azure Container Registry. Could have been exploited to carry out a crisis cross-site scripting attack. The vulnerabilities allowed unauthorized access to the victim sessions within the compromised Azure service iframe, which can lead to severe consequences, including unauthorized data access, unauthorized modification, and disruption of the Azure services iframes, according to Orca researcher Lior uh, Ben-Shatrit. In a report shared with the Hacker News, cross-site scripting attacks take place when an actor injects arbitrary code into an otherwise trusted website which then gets executed every time an unsuspected user visits the sites. The two flaws identified by Orca leverage a weakness in the post-message iframe, which enables cross-origin communications between window objects. However, in order to exploit these weaknesses, a threat actor would have to conduct reconnaissance on different Azure services to single out vulnerable endpoints embedded within the Azure portal that may have been missing X-frame options, headers, or weak content security policies, all which matter, by the way. Once the attacker successfully embedded the iframe in a remote server, they proceed to exploit the misconfigured endpoint. They focus on a post-message handler, which handles remote events such as post messages, analyzing uh, the legitimate post messages sent to the iframe from the portal.azure.com, you know, the one that had anonymous, uh, all of a sudden a spike in traffic, but it wasn't a DDoS attack. Um, The adversary could subsequently craft appropriate payloads by embedding the vulnerable iframe in an actor-controlled server and creating a post-message handler that delivers the malicious payload. So there's this has been uh, following responsible disclosure of the flaw on April 13th and May 3rd, Microsoft rolled out security fixes to remediate them. No further action is required on part of the Azure users, but you may want to go through your logs to see if any exploits did happen then. Microsoft's also blowing the whistle on a new Russian APT group linked to Russia's general staff main intelligence director at the GRU, warning this actor has worked on destructive wiper malware attacks that hit organizations in the Ukraine. A new report from the Redmond Threat Intel team tagged the group as Cadet Blizzard and documented signs and evidence that adds clarity to the scope and usage of the malware in a wartime environment. The emergence of the novel GRU-affiliated actor, particularly one which has conducted destructive cyber operations, likely supporting broader military objectives in Ukraine, is a notable development in the Russian cyber threat landscape, according to Microsoft. Microsoft's also for the first time linking the Russian APT group to the defacement on multiple Ukrainian organizations' website and the hack and leak Telegram channel known as Free Civilian. The company said its threat intel team has been tracking the group since the release of Whisper Great Wiper in January of 2022. It believes it was operational in some capacity since 2020. Operationally consistent with the remit assessed uh, objectives of the GRU-led or operations throughout the Russia invasion of the Ukraine, Cadet Blizzard has engaged in a focused destructive attack espionage and information operation in regionally significant area, according to Microsoft. So we'll see more about that. I mean, Wiper 
attacks are real, I mean, this malware will end up going from a wartime to a ransomware at some point. And when it does, it's going to be disastrous for organizations if you don't have a good backup and recovery plan. So something to keep in mind, the way this is being used will likely happen in future conflicts as they come along. Chinese uh, hackers are using DNS over HTTPS for Linux malware communication. The Chinese threat group uh, Chamel Gang infects Linux devices with previously unknown implant named uh, Chamel DOH, uh, allowing DNS over HTTPS communication with attacker server. This particular threat actor was first documented back in September of 2021 by Positive Technologies. However, researchers only focused on a Windows toolkit. A new report published yesterday in, uh, with by Stairwell and shared with Bleeping Computer describes a new Linux implant written in C++ that expands the threat actor's intrusion arsenal and, by extension, attacker's IOCs. The DNS um, protocol is used by software and operating system to resolve human readable host names and IP addresses, which are then used to make network connections. However, DNS queries are sent as unencrypted plain text, allowing organizations, ISPs, and others to monitor these. DNS over HTTPS was created to encrypt DNS queries, so they can't be snooped on. And the Chinese are now utilizing that for their own activities. That's not far-fetched. I mean, we knew this was going to happen. Uh, we've done shows about this in, in years past. And so now we're seeing threat actors in China utilizing it. And finally, the FCC is establishing a privacy and data protection task force to modernize its policies and bolster its enforcement of digital privacy violation, according to Chairwoman Jessica Rosenworcel announced yesterday. In light of the magnitude of privacy challenges we're facing, she said, I think we're going to have to concentrate our efforts at the agency and give them new focus. This was a speech delivered at the Center for Democracy and Technology, a nonprofit advocating for civil liberties in the digital age. We're going to bring all of our technical and legal experts together from across the agency to maximize coordination and use the law to reach results by evolving our policy and taking enforcement action. I wonder if they're going to go after data brokers. Just saying. Um, Or are they going to continue to go after the victims? So we'll see what this actually means, more information, but nonetheless... The government is here and they're here to help and there's not been scarier words than that ever at this point in time that's it for our show this morning we'll be back monday morning with a whole lot more tomorrow i'm dropping a very very special episode on threat intel you don't want to miss it so tune into that till then have a great rest of your day have a great weekend y'all and stay cyber safe we love feedback so make sure to connect with us on social media and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform 